0: Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labasque, features experts who have a track record in humanising workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hi there, it's Mark Lebusque for the Simply Practically Human podcast and this week in my episode I was delighted to be joined by Joanie LeMay, who's the co-founder of the In Bloom Project, which is all about thinking of healthy and happy people who will make your business thrive. Joanne's Canadian and she's moved to Australia some years ago and now works with some of the biggest companies here and some of the big CEOs in Australian business to help them to allow themselves to connect with themselves through using a whole combination of things from their eating patterns, self-regulating some of their behaviours, and most importantly, using meditation and mindfulness as a tool to connect with yourself. In this episode, Joanne is going to share some simple and practical tips on how a couple of sessions a day of meditation, just 20 minutes twice a day, can really help you to self-regulate drive a whole lot more energy into your work and also your private life and make you a better human being. So sit back and have a listen. I learned so much from this and Joannie has challenged me to meditate as well and I'll be starting to do that with her in the coming weeks. Enjoy. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Joannie LeMay, who is the co-founder of the In Bloom Project, who I was fortunate enough to meet about two weeks ago at Nurture 360 in Fiji. I sat in one of uh, Joanie's workshops and it was incredible. We talked a lot about self-awareness and some other things and she's in town in Melbourne, in my hometown, so I thought we'd catch up today for a uh, for a Simply Practically Human podcast. Joanie, welcome.
1: Thank you, Mark. Happy
0: to be here. So good to have you here. Um, we didn't get to spend a lot of time together in Fiji to talk, but I think we're going to make up for some of that lost time now. Before we get into the whole idea of being seen in the workplace and whatnot, I'd love you to talk a little bit about, because you told an amazing story about growing up. I'd love you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background, please.
1: So as you said, I'm from Montreal. Uh, My fiancé and I moved to Sydney about six years ago now, and we founded the business uh, in Bloom project. And basically, this business was founded upon our desire to improve people's health. And we thought the place that people are definitely the most unhealthy is in their workplace. The The workplace of the future, to me, will definitely include well-being as part of a strategic pillars to make sure that employees are thriving, not only at work, but also at home, right? So that's when we... Connected, really treating employees as human beings. And we started teaching simple tools to increase self-awareness, uh, meditation, yoga, and that really grew quite quickly into some more in-depth conversations around emotional intelligence, resilience, and mindfulness. Fantastic. So we um, both grew up in Montreal, came to Sydney because of the beautiful weather. The sun. We live in Bundai in Sydney, and it really felt like home the first time that we arrived there. And again, well-being to me is my number one priority. To make sure that I'm feeling energized to give and to be of service, and without prioritizing um, self-care, I believe it's impossible to thrive in this. Chaotic world that we live in.
0: Absolutely. So
1: I think for me, living in Sydney really allows me to, um, yeah, to rejuvenate.
0: Yeah. So in Sydney now, but if you don't mind, let's go back to Montreal. Yes. You you talked a little bit, as I recall, in the workshop, a story that really struck a chord with me. Having been, what I say to people, and they'll know no, this, is a bit of an asshole as a manager mm-hmm. or a hard manager, back to to becoming more human. You told a lovely story about love my dad. your time of growing up. Yes. Would you mind sharing a bit of that, Is that Yes, okay? well, actually
1: my dad doesn't speak English or barely understands English. So um, I'll share that story. So basically my dad has a supermarket in Montreal and I remember my dad working really hard. He loved what he did and worked really hard and he came home and he felt completely exhausted. Uh, So I remember growing up and him coming super late at night, 10 o'clock, having his pizza, frozen pizza, every single night for about, I'd say, 10 to 15 years, um, reading his newspaper and not even having the energy to speak with his family because he gave so much at work. And uh, to me, I felt quite, it really shaped a bit of what I do now, right, to allow to help people really give themselves full permission to be seen at work and at home so that they can have a healthy lifestyle and a healthy life. And I started working at the supermarket um, when I was maybe around 16, 17 years old. I wanted to be with my dad a little more, hang out with him at work. And he was a completely different person. All right, so clients loved my dad. Customers stepped in, Mr. LeMay, Mr. LeMay. He was like the king. And then in the back door with the employees, it was such a different story, right? So the employees, not that the turnover was so high because it's still a supermarket job, yeah. but it, it, it was just not a, not the best place to work at just because my dad wasn't perhaps self-aware enough, or I'd say emotionally aware to, to treat his employees as human beings. And then when the client came, they were like customer escapees. So there was this disordered um, management sort of, yeah, I thought I I was really exposed to that from a young age, and it was really hard working for my dad, with my dad, and then that's when I thought, you know, this is not going to work, you know, but I I really appreciated that time, because I saw my dad um, through a different eye, and it also gave me an understanding of how much he gave at work, and a lot of, and then, you know, coming back home, and I gave him permission to like relax when he's at home yeah. right? because that was a lot on him. So, so yeah, so I think that's when um, I decided to leave Montreal, went travel a bit, saw a different facet of my dad, and even now when we connect, you know, now that he doesn't work as much, he's pretty much retired, he's a different person.
0: That's really interesting, and I'm sure our listeners can relate to your dad's story, but, like, uh, we turn up to work, and I say we sort of... We leave some things behind, we, we, we have to be seen in a different way. Let's get into this whole idea, I know the work you do is, is amazing around helping people to be seen for who they are or allowing themselves to be seen in the workplace just as they might be seen outside the workplace. What do you think the biggest challenge is for human beings to be able to walk into a workplace and be seen for who they are? I think,
1: mainly I don't even know if they know how they truly are. Right, so I don't even believe that people stop and ask themselves in the morning, how am I feeling? They don't take the time to connect with themselves. Therefore, they walk through the day and they're being quite reactive. People shape their world rather than them, yeah, shaping their day. So I think for me, this is probably the biggest challenge. People aren't self-aware. So yeah, that's definitely the biggest challenge. Second one, the fear. Definitely the fear of, or even the pressure of showing up a different way, expectations, not being clear with your managers of what, you know, the expectations are truly. And I think perhaps lastly, lastly I would definitely say that in, you know, 2019, 2020, workplaces are just so fast paced. Yeah. So we don't give ourselves uh, the time to slow down during the day. Therefore, you show up at work, and it feels like you must keep doing and doing and doing, and you never really step back Hmm. and come back to your being self.
0: Yeah, I read one of your articles, your recent articles about um, busyness versus being productive, and I'd love your thoughts on this because I, my, my belief is, uh, and my listeners will know this. I've said it many times. Busyness has become like a badge of honour for people. And I'm going to say in some respects it's driven by fear as well, like i better be busy or I may not have a job. How much of your work is working around people trying to get out of their heads that the busyness is, you know, the fast-paced thing is, is the way we need to be versus being productive or, like you said before, simply just being So my
1: thoughts on busyness is that we are afraid of slowing down, Mm -hmm. as I just said. And I really believe that true productive people aren't the busiest people, right? People are afraid of slowing down. People are afraid that if they slow down, because it is quite scary slowing down, right? There's a, a certain feeling associated with guilt, right? It's probably subconscious thoughts that if I stop, maybe I'm gonna lose my job, maybe I'm gonna lose definitely earnings. So it's, we see that. So I'm a, I've studied the psychology of eating and I do a lot of analogy with food when I teach because we have to eat every day and our relationship with food, as one of my mentor Mark David said so well, is our relationship with life. Mm. So people that are often quite busy and they step in and it's they never take the time to slow down, they're probably the type of people that eat their meals quite quickly. They're the ones that rush through their day, they rush, they rush, they rush, and they are afraid of slowing down. So one of the biggest challenge that I can give one of the clients that we work with, especially executive leaders that all have digestive issues, it's to give them the space to breathe before their meal. Yeah. To take a complete break of about 30 minutes when they have their lunch, I, and to really eat in a way that is slow, sensuous, that it's just, it's their time to connect with themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I found that a lot of my clients would come back to me and say, Joanie, I didn't think that was going to be as hard. I'm not able to slow down. So I say, if you can do it with food, you'll be able to do it with life. Yeah. So try, and for any listeners out there, this is such a great tip. Your digestion only happens when you are in your parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest and digest. So if you're going busy throughout your day, no wonder you'll have digestive issues. You won't be able to assimilate your food probably. You're not going to be able to assimilate conversations, challenges. You're not going to be able to handle them as well. It's a, a direct analogy.
0: Something just popped into my mind now about this. That person, that human being that eats at their desk, and just continues to plough through the work. They go and get there. They might go out and get some something from either healthy or maybe not so healthy. But they come back to their desk straight away, and they're doing emails, and then they're having something to eat, and then they're taking a phone call, and they're checking their phone.
1: Multitasking. All What's the,
0: going on with, what, what, what would you tell them? This,
1: this is a recipe for nightmare. <laughs> this recipe right now, I always say, you better like that person might as well eat a hamburger or it doesn't matter if they eat a hamburger or a salad because their body won't be able to digest and assimilate the nutrients. Mm. So I would rather people, you know, to have a unhealthy, you know, in how do you say this? An unhealthy meal, but taking their time and sit down outside in the sun, connect, breathe, digest rather than having the most superfood organic salad at their lunch multitasking. Yeah right because the body will not be able to assimilate any of that. So I think to come back to your question, people if you're the kind of person that that does that and one of our clients is Uber and I see all of our lovely employees at Uber ordering Uber Eats, right? And it's amazing that this this office is just truly amazing, but people are eating while they're working all the time and this is when, you know, there's a lot of they're eating mindlessly. As a consequence, then obesity comes in. People gain weight, and it's just there's this unhealthy relationship that is then created.
0: Yeah, right. It's interesting when you put some numbers around that. I, I read your LinkedIn article about you know about what this business does and when you, what your business does, and when you click into it, there's a very very scary financial number around the impacts of obesity in Australia. Mm. Like it was was a twenty one, is it was a billion? Pretty high. Yeah, it was huge. It was a huge number. You know, it's funny how when we're in in our work mode, we'll look at financial data to see whether we're going well or we're not going so well. But things like that, that would just go over someone's head. They wouldn't because they're too busy getting on with it. And I think there's a need for people to stop in the moment and go, if that was a financial number that was either going to say I was successful or failing in my business, I'd stop and look at it. Mm -hmm. Why is it? that when people people know that the numbers around health and well-being and whatnot you know a bit around life design or work life balance as people call it why why is it that people don't just stop and take note of that what's happening
1: good question again people don't stop they don't want to face it perhaps right yeah. they're 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 projecting themselves in the future mm. it's not a problem that you're dealing it right now in this moment right yeah. but again health is number one priority, yeah. right, when employees are feeling, when you're feeling healthy as a person, and anybody would understand that, when you wake up in the morning, you had a beautiful sleep, a great breakfast, you connected with your loved ones, you step into work, you are a different person, right, people connect with you, you feel more, you're just feeling the best yeah. version of yourself, yeah. I
0: love it. so I love it.
1: people to stop and again to ask themselves right now, how am I feeling? Right? Because people not um, taking care of themselves, the repercussion of that, the consequences of that, they are in the future, but they're also very imminent. Right? People eating an unhealthy lunch and not being able to digest it, no wonder at four o'clock they have a down in their productivity and yeah. just yeah. brain fog.
0: It's interesting, you know, that we've talked about being allowed to be seen at work, but moving a little bit into this area of eating and digestion and how that almost mirrors the way that you do a whole lot of other things. I'm wondering if you could share with the listeners. So if, if they are listening and they're like, I'm that person that's just been described. Oh, I get caught at my desk, I come in early, I, I grab an egg and bacon sandwich on the way in. When I leave at night, I might sneak into the supermarket and try and grab something. I might get that pizza mm. that you talked about.
1: And that's like 90% of people. Yeah,
0: so in the spirit of simple and practical tools and tips, for these listeners to learn from an expert like you what would be three things that you teach people in the work that you do three simple and practical things they can do to start to get themselves out of that sort of rut of busyness move more to product, being productive and being seen
1: first one coaching coaching meditation right? coaching learn how to meditate meditation again is a pretty difficult word to put into organizations right a lot of people they don't want to meditate Again, mental training for your brain. So get coaching. Yep. I develop a practice of self-awareness. The quickest way to increase self-awareness is meditation. So that's definitely my number one tool. Yep. Do you meditate?
0: In a simple one-word answer is no, and I'll tell you why. I was talking to Tammy about this. I went to a meditation retreat in Byron Bay many years ago, and we exactly. had to like we had to like meditate for, for four hours mm. and it was almost like asking me to run a marathon
1: mm-hmm.
0: without it's mental fitness they the would train. be yeah so, you need to yeah, so okay. I, had, I had a bit of a bad experience with it so i don't think I, I don't certainly don't meditate do i stop and reflect yeah but i reckon if i meditated i'd be better at what i'm doing today
1: let me teach you how to meditate
0: more <laughs> so I'm, I'm up for that i'm up for that for sure
1: my uh, second would probably be community Right, so communities surround yourself with people that are taking um, their health at their heart. Right, so communities surround yourself with people that you are likely to slow down with. Yeah. Right, so that's a big tip as well because if you know all your friends are rushing and if that's your community, well, you are the average of the five people that you hang out mm-hmm. with. Therefore, this is it's it's crucial that you start to take the time to even ask a friend to step into this journey with you of slowing down and the two of you together can really keep yourselves accountable within that journey yep. that means at work together with your accountability partner you want to induce those five ten minutes break right induce those five ten minutes practices as a way to slow down during your day and you can you know breathe during that time. You can go for a walk outside. That's definitely an underrated uh, strategy. Community. And then the third tip, I'd say around movement and exercise. Right. So meditation alters your traits, and physical exercise alters your state. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Daniel Goldman that that did say that in terms of in terms of meditation. Right. Meditation has a profound effect of altering your biochemistry. And when you exercise, when you go for a walk outside, when you go for a run, when you train, you feel your vitality lifting. you feel yourself being um, more creative, more more present, um, energized. So I'd say never underestimate, again, those movement practices that you can do during your day, whether it's, going to HR and ask to have yoga classes at work. Take your colleagues and go for a run club at lunchtime. Make sure you get your exercise in first thing in the morning so that you set yourself up for a successful day. Mm. So coaching, in terms of meditation, learn how to meditate properly will definitely change your life. Community, in terms of finding an accountability partner and definitely uh, keep yourself accountable in inducing slowing down practices. And then last one, consistency in terms of movement. Be consistent. Be consistent, it's not the hour workout that you do on the Saturday morning or the Monday night the gym is packed and then on Friday it's, right? So try to be very consistent in your approach to well-being. So coaching, community consistency. Love it,
0: Great, great tips and I'm sure there are people listening to this now going I've got to start somewhere. Here's the interesting thing for me. Very, very, I, I very intentionally call this a simply, practically human podcast because we humans have become romance by complexity and like the next big thing. It's
1: sexy to be yeah, busy. Yeah. It's sexy. I always say the slowing down diet is the sexy diet. Mm. The slowing down, the compassionate diet is the sexy
0: diet. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you see there. I've had some some remarkable insights from some of the guests on here about, talk a bit more about this whole idea of why is it sexy to be complex and busy? Why? What's going on?
1: I don't personally find this sexy, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> someone is, when someone is really busy and they're probably not giving me their undivided attention. Hmm. When someone is busy and they're rushing through their day and you don't really get to experience life, right, to its best, Mm. at its best, right? So I found and even I'm talking from experience here, I was the one teaching classes from classes, eating my apple while I was on my bike. I was always multitasking and again huge digestive issues. Insomnia, busyness from then to me became it did actually became very unsexy early on in this journey. And Probably why people, they feel a sense of accomplishment, you know, I'm busy, I'm really, if you have this word, if you tend to say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm busy, right? Busy, try to find another word for busy. I'm being productive, or I have a challenging day today, which requires a lot of focus, a lot of energy, right? So busy is definitely a word that I would try to get rid of in people's vocabulary, Hmm and change it to, again, productivity perhaps, or, yeah, so redefining, and perhaps even for listeners out there, redefining what success means.
0: Yeah, so here's, here's a big takeout for me. Busyness isn't sexy. Uh, and, and I think <laughs> that, you know, the, these are the simple learnings from, from the experts like yourself that people have got to, even if this could this be a 20-minute podcast, but if you listen to nothing else than busyness isn't sexy I say to you people listening write it down and stick it somewhere that you can see it because we've got to get to the point where as you said I say to people when they ask me how I am they oh you must be busy I see that you're traveling all around I go I'm actually productive and they look at me like I've got two heads because that's not the response that we humans are supposed to give people now um we're supposed to be Flat out and busy and stressed. And you
1: push people away when you say, I'm busy. Because mm. people don't want to then have a conversation mm. with you. Oh, he's busy. I'm, I'm therefore not yeah. going to ask him out for a drink tonight. Or mm. I'm not because, you know, they feel like they are too much then. Yep. Right? They will. They're, so, again, to, to make time for your loved ones, for yourself, this is sexy. Mm. And even in Fiji, you know, you would have noticed that a lot of people were still working at night. And to me, that was unsexy. And when I went after the first few days, and I've discussed with some of them, I'm like, "Hey, you know, we're only here for three days. How are you finding it? Oh, great!" But I'm so busy with work, I'm not really able to enjoy it fully. Yeah. So how do you think that relates to enjoy life fully? Mm. If you're always busy, and you don't take the time to connect with the little things in life.
0: Yeah.
1: The goal of life is to live a happy life and to make a contribution. And you need time and space for that.
0: I remember, it reminds me, I got on the plane back from Brisbane about 18 months ago and, and just sitting across from me was another person in this consulting space, in leadership consulting. And and once the seatbelt sign came off, I remember she got her computer out and she started working away and she was furiously tapping away and I was sitting there reading the paper and she looked at me and she knew me. She goes, how, how, come, how can you be doing that? And I went, well, the other thing is that I actually outsource quite a bit of stuff as well. Mm. I outsource stuff to. I've got an amazing assistant, um, Shay Parker. Her name is, and she does all of the things that, if I kept trying to do it, then I'd be, I'd be what I call a busy fool. So I think there's something else in in this for people to think about is how much work are you taking on? Like those people in Fiji, I can't really enjoy it here. There's a story because I've got my work. Oh, you know. It's a bit like how many lives are we leading? Exactly. How many lives are we? And leading? until they
1: realize in the moment that it's quite sad, actually, mm. that their work, right, is taking so much in their mind. It's just, it's filling their headspace. Mm. So there's no more space and time to actually enjoy the little things. And that's when I believe, you know, to be and to live a fully uh, fulfilling life and a happy life. You know, do work that matters to you. Mm. And again, regulating, as we've discussed in Fiji, the concept of enoughness. Yep. When is enough enough? In terms of the food that I eat, in terms of the relationships, in terms of the dinners that I have, and in terms of the work mm. that I
0: do. Because that was a question you asked in the room, wasn't it?
1: I did. And then I yeah. did a bit of
0: a response to it around my whole idea of thinking that well, when is enough enough, like enough profit or enough time or whatever it might be, and or enough clients. And that's a great question for people to ask themselves when is enough enough like how much money do we need to make to be happy and I catch quite a few people who make a lot of money and are miserable
1: and I meet them every single day yeah.
0: so just on that let's finish up with you I want you to talk about I'm very much into the whole law of abundance and you know whilst we work both work in we work with corporates and whatnot. I don't think we're competitors I want my clients to understand a bit more about your business so I like you to Where can they find you?
1: In bloomproject.com. Go on our website, have a look at the workshops that we offer. As I said, we're very focused on changing the workplaces, shaping the workplaces in terms of creating a culture of well-being at work. Where employees feel like they come to work and they want to be at work. Mm -hmm. They want to be at work because there's a culture of of they're allowing themselves to be seen. They're connecting. There's a sense of belonging and they are progressing in terms of the skill set that they cultivate to achieve greater health and well-being. So right now we're working on creating a well-being platform for onboarding in the workplaces which has been super interesting, challenging as it's all virtual. So it's it's been an amazing uh, way to shape the culture of your workplaces and it starts with employees understanding right, all these simple pillars of health and well-being. So the moment they stepped in into an organization, as you go through a traditional onboarding program, there's also a well-being facet that now we can add. So that's been uh, really interesting. Apart from that, we go to leaders, exec team, teach them around. Uh, So it's a half-day training or full-day training, uh, teaching everyone how to self-regulate and self-manage through mental training. Yeah. This is our number one uh, program. We call it Success Without Stress. Then we have our emotional intelligence training as well, which is a workshop. We go in, make team, participate, make team, ask them you know, relevant questions. It's very tailored. All our programs are super tailored. So it's important to us that we work directly with a company's mission and the values and how can being more emotionally intelligent linked directly to a higher productivity bottom line so our programs are very super focused and as i said tailored and then lastly we have our resilience program so again how to build a resilient mindset right so giving people tools practices so it's a great uh, three trainings that we do it's a great journey to embark so you start Success without stress, lead into EQ, and then finish with resilience. And we do them on a yearly basis, uh, checking in. And then we have 12 workshops that companies do on a monthly basis. Mm. So we have Optimize Your Sleep Workshop, the Psychology of Eating, Nutrition. As well-being means different things from different people, we try to create some workshops that will be attractive for everyone in the workspace. And then lastly, meditation and yoga. So we go into organization and teach, whether it's on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, 20 minutes to 45 minutes, a teacher comes in and we teach people meditation and yoga.
0: Fantastic. Hajjani, thank you very much for coming on here. Look, this comes back to a simple thing you talked about before, just to wrap up connection. You know, three weeks ago, we didn't know who each other was we went to some amazing event in fiji called nurture 360 um, i happened to be fortunate enough to go into the room when you were you know you were doing this thing you just talked about and we've connected now we're on a podcast together so thank you very much for being part of it and um please listeners, look in bloom look them up because i think they can do some uh, amazing things for you thanks for listening
1: thank you mike i really look forward to reading your book and to see each other well we'll see each other in the near future for Absolutely.
0: sure wow that was an amazing podcast uh, working with Joanie and luckily I was in Sydney only a couple of days later and Joanie was good enough to come into my human manager experience and run a guided meditation for about 10 minutes with the group who had done some pretty tough work and their minds were racing and she was able to help them slow their minds down so I really thank her for that if you like this want it rate right it five stars and if you loved it Please share it with your friends. Until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now.